This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast. And this is going to be one for the history books because I was just informed about my beautiful co-host Dave has a bit of a cough. And I've been talking for almost two days straight at KubeCon, so my voice is also not in the best of shape. So good thing these things only take like 20 minutes anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't want to do like a a four-hour monster recording? Um, Yes, I will introduce you and sit back yeah, no, I don't think so. I will end up in a just giant coughing mess on the floor if that's uh, uh, so. If you hear any kind of weird pauses, it's just because one or the other of us, or potentially both of us, have <laughs> stopped to just randomly start coughing and spluttering and generally recovering from what life has done to us. And for your amusement, I will not be cutting out any of the videos. So if you want to see our grimaces, you can check that's, it out on YouTube. Oh, that's cruel, unusual punishment. <laughs> But anyway, as I just alluded to, I have been visiting KubeCon this week. This is recorded on the Friday where KubeCon ends, so it's all still very fresh in my mind. For the people who aren't in the know, KubeCon Europe actually happened in Amsterdam this year, so pretty close by, and my boss actually told me to go there to be the illustrative person at a booth. Mm-hmm. Not sure the correct terminology for that is at the moment. And yeah, when I came back, uh, Dave and I, we kind of agreed that my, it might be a good idea to just chat a little bit about what I learned at KubeCon this week. Indeed. So, how was your KubeCon experience, Jan? Uh, very tiring. Because <laughs> <laughs> the location is like uh, an hour and a half away from me, so a lot of driving up and down, early hours. But apart from that... Spent most of the time at the booth and the keynotes. I actually didn't attend any of the uh, sessions, even mm-hmm. though I did have space to do that. Because, and just before I start talking more, I, I'm going to sound a little bit negative about the event, but I don't want to be negative. I do think it's a good event. I enjoyed my time there. and There were a lot of people there, 10,000 plus people. So mm-hmm. it does work. It's a good event. But from my personal point, it wasn't... If I compare it to like 10 years ago, the open source conference we had there, the, I mean, the Data uh, Summit we often covered together with the podcast mm-hmm. as well. Okay, that's 10 years ago. Not just the event was 10 years ago, but I was 10 years ago. So things mm-hmm. have changed. And maybe I'm just at a point in my life where it's not that interesting for me anymore. And the reason I didn't go to the sessions was because it was very, very, how do you call that? Um, it was all different things. And that was perhaps the main difference between, I'm going to keep the Databricks Summit as the comparisons point, because that's the one I had mm. the most experience with. That was kind of driven by a certain entity. You had the Hortonworks distribution there, and there was a lot of things around it, but you had like that golden path through the whole thing. And when you went to the Databricks Summit, you kind of had an idea. There was a team, there was some marketing involved as well. Here with KubeCon, it was much more scattered, and there were a lot of small talks about small projects and all very interesting, but... It was very hard to actually find kind of a track to follow. Mm. And there was some color coding in the, in the schedule. So there was some kind of like, this is developer, this is infrastructure, things like that. So yeah, there was kind of that, those kind of tracks. But for me, yes, I could have attended some sessions and yeah, I had a session. But there was nothing there that say, okay, I need to know about this thing. Because the stuff in Kubernetes, and yeah, KubeCon is most Kubernetes. It's another CNCF umbrella because there's a lot of open source in there as well. But it is still very much into the microservices thing. And at mm. this point, anything that's microservices, I kind of know it works. Mm-hmm. I don't use it professionally, so I don't get into these niche cases where I need that specific little piece of security, whatever, or release scheduling, that whatever. So I don't really have a reason to go to these sessions except to learn about cool open source stuff. 
which is always good, mm-hmm. of course. But basically, that's why I didn't go to the, the sessions and just uh, stuck to the keynote and then just took some uh, rest in between my boot duties. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's the first thing I, would, I wanted to comment on very quickly. Well, quickly, a couple of minutes, even that. Uh, that the, the sessions were, it's hard to find, to, to build a good schedule, I found. A lot of people I talked to also, uh, asked, I asked, hey, what did you do? Where you go to? Oh, I did this and that and there and everything. Same kind of feedback. Interesting, but do I really need to be here for that? If you know the people, mm-hmm. it's always good, of course. But from a technology education point of view, it was much more a, in my opinion, getting to know what's out there. While in the olden days, it was, okay, I know what's out there. How do I use this thing? So it it sounds like, um, and I, I don't want to put words in, in your mouth, but it, I, it sounds like, um, I mean, the, the guiding force for KubeCon is the CNCF. Like, and it sounds like what you're saying is it, it didn't feel like there were, it didn't feel like there were really clear was it like that the the sessions the the guidelines for what the sessions should have been weren't clear or was it like more deep down dirty gritty nope. details of kubernetes or was it just like because i mean you you mentioned the word scattershot which to me just means like it's just everything all over the yes. place there's so much I mean, one of the keynotes and on, on the yesterday was a thing. They had a graph up from the SIG DOC where they just showed how many uh, projects were being added or, or tried to get themselves added to the to the CNCF. And if you look at the uh, sandbox versus uh, what's the next level, it graduates is the top one, and in between it's the there's like three levels. Mm. Uh, graduated in the second level, those were like standard bands. It's fine, but if you looked in the last couple of years, how many new startups wanted to join it? That was a huge amount of stuff there. And yeah, if you have so many different things and they're all doing their own little niche, little thingy, and there's three different or 10 different projects trying to do kind of the same thing in a slightly different mm. way, it kind of, I mean, and from the point of view from the CNCF, I understand how, why they do this, because that's what CNCF is supposed to do. Make new projects successful, give them help. If there's enough community behind it, then give them a podium, let them do their thing and see what comes out of it. But that's how it was different from the, olden day open source conferences where there was much more of a kind of a guiding hand and this is where we're going to when everything that wants to join us we're not just doing cloud native no we're doing big data we're doing machine learning there were much more of a direction the thing and this became much more a yeah scatterscot approach as i said and that also meant that a lot of people tried to get in and one of the things i said at the beginning of the keynote was that apparently they had a wait list from the moment they started wow they were booked full the day they went alive because that took a long time for them to decide to do it live because when they start planning this it was mm. a full pandemic season so it's going to be physical it's going to be virtual uh, 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 so they had to wait kind of hedge their bets a little bit makes total mm. sense so people were already putting themselves on the wait list for it. when it comes out i want to go so by the time they actually went yes it's going to be in amsterdam apparently most of the tickets are already sold out wow i, I mean that sort of ten thousand people does track like makes sense uh, it how was that with with the with the venue like one of the things that i've seen before is is when like either the venues aren't quite 
set up to cater for the volume or or sometimes like could have gone larger and, and didn't because didn't people didn't know what uh, what the appetite was going to be did you feel like things were like sort of right sized there or yeah i mean kudos to the whole uh, cube content uh, organization team there the way it was set up the venue was one of the best run cons i've been in a long time mm. i mean there was plenty of food and drink all for free well free the entry ticket wasn't free so you pay for it definitely but Usually in these kind of conferences, you want to get a sandwich, it costs like a, an arm and a leg. Here, you just had a lot of food all day long, just free, available, drinking water, coffee, tea, everything there. There was, I think they could have added more people because it never felt crowded. Okay. Occasionally, some booth or something special, and then there's a bit of crowd there. That happens. Yeah. But there was yeah. always a lot of room to sit as well. They had huge areas just where you could sit down and talk to people and during lunch. Yeah. I mean, I had to get my lunch in the middle of rush hour because that was how my beauty was going. Typically, mm -hmm. I can sit on the floor because there's no place here. I had to search a little bit, but not a problem. Colleagues and me, we could get a table, sit down. So right. yes, that was very, very nice. Now, I didn't go into the sessions, as I said, so I'm not sure if all the session rooms are equally large. But considering how the keynote was set up, they had the main room where most people fit in and then two extra overflow rooms where you could uh, follow it on, uh, on monitors. So now on that point of view, I think that they did a very good job and they kind of put uh, a cap on the amount of attendees that made sense. Now the Rye in Amsterdam is kind of the biggest venue in the Netherlands, I think. So there's no way you could, could have gone any bigger than that, except if you go mm. to multiple venues. Yeah. Um, so that's that. Now they did say that next year is going to be in Paris, where they should be able to uh, accommodate more people. Wow. And apparently, also they said that they are now the biggest open source event in Europe. Yeah, because I thought that crown was held by Fostem, but I think Fostem was up to like eight plus thousand. So yeah. Yeah, Fostem is also the only one I can think of. As if you think about big open source con uh, conventions, um, it's a totally different con type of convention, of course. Oh yeah, it's yeah, at a university in Brussels. Uh, if you've never been there, it's a fun thing to do. I've, I've been there a couple of times, but I'm still in Belgium. Mm. But uh, yeah, apparently they're not bigger than that. And considering they have a wait list, they expect next year to be even bigger again. Yeah. Wow. So maybe go through the stuff I saw in the keynotes if you mm. don't have any other questions, because again, no. happy to answer anything. So yeah, they started off first with uh, CNCF, CNCF leadership talking about the future cons, about the, the wait list, uh, 10,000 attendees, all that kind of stuff happened in. There wasn't actually, I mean, typically in these conferences, you'd expect the first keynote to be some kind of fanfare about this is the next new hotness, whatever, none of that. Mm. That was something that was a both welcome and uh, moment. Because <laughs> mm. on the one hand, this was good because it wasn't marketized, it wasn't marketing, it wasn't pushing any agenda. It was just, hey, this is our all of our or our, our, our startups or projects or groups, whatever, and giving state of the union kind of thing. And on the other hand, you kind of left the keynote with, okay, why am I here? <laughs> Is do you think this is a sign, just kind of thinking about what you were saying earlier, plus this, do you think this is a sign that, um, and if maybe it makes sense to answer this question later, so feel free to mm -hmm. punt it towards the end, but do you think this is a sign that maybe QCon has actually got too big and is is got, the or the focus has become so wide that actually CNCF should maybe think about 
dividing it up into smaller, slightly more focused conferences? Um, I wouldn't say they have to, but they are going to get into trouble because, again, biggest venue in the Netherlands isn't big enough anymore. Uh, if they keep growing like this and adding more and more and more to it, it's just going to become unmanageable. And I know things like AWS Summit uh, are huge, uh, even more huge than, than this kind of stuff. Mm. But it's also an event where you, as an old person, don't go anymore, I think, because it's hopeless anyway. Mm. So should they? I don't know. It depends on what they want to do. If they still want to have this, this is the conference where anything goes and everything is here. And if you need anything at all, it's going to be mm -hmm. there. That's one way of doing these kind of cons. And there's definitely reason to do it like that. For me as a person, I would not go. Because I like, I'm, I, my time is valuable. <laughs> and I like to go to things that are more focused to things. Now, they do, of course, have their special interest groups already. They have their six for certain things, for security, for uh, the, the, the distribution, whatever. So it would make sense for me to have specific cons for these specific six, for example. Yeah. That might work. But then there's always going to be one special interest group that has uh, that is a smaller one that doesn't deserve a full conference. So how do you, it's going to be some, some politicking happening internally there then, and that might also be bad for the whole cohesiveness of the whole thing. So yeah, I do think they need to do something for me personally to make this still not just interesting, but relevant is also not the right word. Something consumable, is that the right word? I mean, something where you go and when you go back, you say, yes, I have something extra that I didn't have before. Because now, the way it is, you go to it, and all you can say at the end is, I was there. Mm. There is no achievement. There is no... Maybe it's because you can't plan what you're going to do. I mean, when I went to the... Uh, 10 years ago to the Data World Summit, I went there with the idea, okay, when I go out, when it's finished, I will have learned these things. And some more stuff. Yep. And here, it's so scattershot. It's just... Yeah, but again... It all depends, of course. Uh, if you look at the attendees, there were people in their 20s, in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. You saw the whole gamut of people there, more young people than old people, kind of normal as well. But there was something there for everybody. Also, the, the really business type, the more, I was going to say hippie, but that's a bad word these days, but the more, yeah, developer types, let's say. Everybody and anybody was there. So there must be a lot of traction for, for a lot of people. So do they have to change? Well, it's working for them at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder if, oh, I don't, I don't even know how. It's it's become this this sort of multi-headed hydra of, of a sort of, of an event with like so many different tracks and areas of focus. Like there is, there's obviously, like there's the Kubernetes part of its underlying, or its, you know, its origin. Like the, 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 the actual Kubernetes, environment engine call it what you want like infrastructure layer whatever you've got the you've got the sort of app dev devops sre sort of layer of all sorts of things well i guess the app dev side of things everything on top of kubernetes like there's a lot of talks and things that fell about what you can do on top of Kubernetes or with Kubernetes or what Kubernetes enables you. And then you've got, you've got sort of what Kubernetes and microservices 
enables you to do maybe so like that's more of like the devops the sre no no it's it, it is kubecon i mean it's labeled as kubecon cloud native con it is kubecon mm. everything is on that backbone of kubernetes and they don't stray very far off from that there is the occasional exception of course always but uh, pretty much everything was uh, kubernetes itself how to different operators different ways of deployment and how to use kubernetes and that's kind of where it ended. Yeah. It's uh, maybe not Kubernetes, but microservices. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let's use that as a terminology, perhaps, to stay away from branding. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just going back to the uh, keynote. So that's uh, the CNCF. They talked for like 15 minutes and then they were done. It was like, yeah, okay. Can expect a bit more. Then they had uh, Infosys doing a corporate presentation. On the one hand, Infosys, great, that's what I want to hear there. On the other hand, it was like five minutes. Hmm. So very short, to the point, and they were actually doing their best not to do a full corporate pitch, but more of a, hey, yeah, we love Kubernetes, blah, 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 the whole hype thing, of course, hmm. but they were doing some things, it was kind of interesting, and then they went off. Typically, they paid enough to have a presence on the on the main stage, to have their logo big, and they had a five-minute chat. Yep. That was that. Next, uh, HL did it as well. And the reason that uh, Infosys and HL came first was because they paid a lot of money and became platinum members. I mean, that yeah, that's that's this thing needs money. Work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, that's fine. Uh, then they did some internal congratulations for the ambassadors, people, the people that are uh, vocal about the whole Kubernetes and KubeCon thing and CNCF kind of thing. So that was uh, just a general thing. Nobody was named at that point. And then they did do uh, something I kind of said, hey, <laughs> uh, mentoring. Apparently, we had an episode on mentoring earlier. We were right, because even KubeCon says mentoring is important. And apparently, they have some stuff set up now where you can become a mentor, be a mentee, how that works. So they did some shout outs there mm. as well. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> Uh, then I talked about uh, trans language, uh, translations, language translations. Mm -hmm. and the only reason I mentioned it here is that uh, they now apparently have nine languages and no French. Oh, well, hopefully they'll fix that for next year when uh, when it isn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about documentation. I'm talking about the code stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so that that's this is going to be, be the absolute peak of conference-driven <laughs> development, isn't it? Okay. They now have a timeline where this needs to be done in French. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Anyway, it kind of struck me as, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, they do have Urdu, for example, in Hindi and stuff, but no French. Uh, no Dutch either, by the way. So there was in, in Holland and there was no Dutch. Basically, they don't care. Um, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you guys are, are far more uh, are far more placid about that, though. Yeah, we used to it. Doesn't mean we like it, okay? <laughs> anyway, let's continue this podcast in Dutch now. <laughs> Sure. My questions may not make a lot of sense, though. Uh, and that would be different how? <laughs> exactly. I was waiting. <laughs> I was just teeing it up for you. Yeah, I know. Just struck it home. Anyway, moving on from the mentoring, they went to uh, making a friend, make a, make, they tried to make it kind of more of a cozy uh, look to the person to the side of you. Uh, first, they asked everybody to raise their hand for the first time and then look to the side of you if the hand is raised and say hello, make a friend, blah, blah, blah. They do try to make the community a little bit, so that was kind of nice. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Why not? Again, a diff big difference from a commercial uh, marketing-driven event, let's say. What was what was the split out of curiosity? Like how many, just from your, your guests in the audience, how I many I don't have to guess, I said it. 58% uh, knew. 
Wow. Yes, more than double of the people, uh, more, more than half of the people, sorry, were new people, first KubeCon. Now, of course, don't forget, it's the first KubeCon in four years. Yeah. Because and it personally, is I did I did look at some of the virtual stuff. I don't consider myself to have attended KubeCon. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also, oh, has there been a KubeCon in Amsterdam before? Yes. Uh, the first virtual was planned to be physical in the Beurs van Berlage in Amsterdam. And mm. that then, then the pandemic struck and they decided to go uh, virtual because I still have yeah. a little box they sent me with uh, yeah. the t-shirts and stuff. Yeah, so, that, so but there hasn't been, yeah, I, I didn't think there'd been a physical KubeCon uh, uh, in Amsterdam before. Okay. Yeah, it's good that they switched from Beurs van Berlage to uh, the Rai because that uh, older mm. venue was way smaller than this yeah. venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that was kind of the most important stuff for the first day keynotes. Nothing more to talk about. Then, uh, yeah, one thing: the, the the room was absolutely packed the first day, so standing room only. The uh, overflow rooms were there, and there were people actually stopping people from coming into the room. And what's what fully was centered off to the uh, overflow rooms. Very nice organization there. Second day keynote started with a pretty empty room, <laughs> even though if the video goes live, the Chairperson that was on stage said, uh, so great to see a full packed room. Well, it wasn't packed at that moment, but it did start <laughs> filling up. And by the time I had to leave, it was exactly full again. Wow. And that was basically because they were right. The first part of the second day keynote was kind of meh, not that useful, mainly because it was a bunch of pre-recorded videos and pre-recorded videos by maintainers of project products that like they had like, this is your two minutes to say what you're doing and uh, harvest new souls. So the production quality was kind of bad. The voices were very hard to uh, to understand. I mean, a big mm -hmm. auditorium like that. These videos, they, they they might do something better there. On the other hand, it did give you an idea of what the bigger players were. And we're not talking about the Kubernetes itself, but all of the things around it, let's say. Um, but the bad thing was that a lot of these people kind of expected us to know what their product was, what their project did. And for some of them, I knew, but for some of them, Nice name, nice logo, and apparently version two come out. Still Great. no idea what it does. <laughs> so, but anyway, that was not bad. Uh, pretty good. Um, then uh, that's the thing that kind of has irked me the most. Uh, AWS got a big PR spot, and. They came on stage talking about, I mean, the title of the slot was all about how uh, they are so heavy betting on open source, how they're doing so much for open source and so on. Now, they paid a lot of money to be there again. They uh, got on the main stage, so they sponsored heavily to do this. And the, the, the reason it was kind of irksome for me is all the other people before, even Infosys, they were talking about projects, maintainers, people building technology, making the system better, stuff like that. AWS was came up and they did. They said two things. We gave a lot of money to CNCF and we gave a lot of money to OpenSSF. It really, really jarred with the rest of the government communication. It was so Interesting. corporate. It was so, we gave a bunch of money and now it's important. That's basically the message I got from it. <laughs> We've bought, we've, we've bought our relevance. I mean, I mean, they gave a lot of money. I mean, OpenSSF, I wrote it down, I see, they gave 10 million. Yeah. I mean, that buys your seat at the table. But it also buys you a seat at the table. Yeah. And if that's how you want to be 
seen in open, in open source, especially with the reputation they have. But that being said, the thing that surprised me the most was they got a lot of applause. When the person came up on stage, when he was talking, when he was saying about the money, there was a lot of people that are apparently, either I'm wrong, totally possible. I mean, but, uh, the, the flip side to it is that they have given money and this now will enable CNCF and um, OpenSF to do a whole bunch of stuff that they would not have had the funds to do otherwise. Yes, but what were the strings that were attached? Because if you commit a piece of software, a piece of code, you've given it, it's out there. If you stop maintaining it, you become the bad guy. <laughs> money, however, just buys you influence. And where's that influence going to land? I mean, yes, this will allow CNCF and OpenSF to do things, but they will be beholden. Um, Maybe I'm too pessimistic here, and I, I try I, to be the, the bad you, guy here and give you the point to be the good guy. But there's the two the two coins, right? Two sides of coins. Yeah, like I get it. Like the Amazon does not have the best of reputations here. However, I would say that generally speaking, I have a lot of of trust and belief in CNCF and uh, OpenSF. Like they they do a lot of their. Um, a lot of their governance is out in the open. A lot of the decisions yeah. they make, you know, all that sort of thing is done, in my in my opinion, in, in the right way. So I'm sure there's there's something. I'm sure their their slot, for example, at uh, at KubeCon was one of the uh, one of the conditions. But I I struggle to think that an organisation like CNCF or OpenSF would compromise their integrity even for that kind of money uh, maybe but me i'm a solution architect working in the government patch and if i go to a customer and i have to go back home and i take a taxi to the train station even though i am paying for that taxi i am not allowed to have anybody from the government employee join my taxi ride because that can be considered a bribe yeah i mean this is 10 million <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it is what it is. It did, however, make me also a note that Google and Microsoft were totally absent on stage. Now, maybe they were on the uh, keynote when I wasn't there. That being said, if any of these trees on stage, they should be at the start of a keynote, not at the end of the keynote, I would assume. But uh, Microsoft not being there, I mean, they all have uh, spaces on the show on the showcase floor, of course. They had the boots, they had, you could have talked to people there. But uh, the only Microsoft spot I saw was their uh, Xbox game lounge. So they went in really as, hey, let's have some fun. They're not there on a, on a corporate mission at all. Google also had a boot and didn't really go there. So I have no idea what they were doing. But I kind of expected Kubernetes being an original Kubernetes, uh, Google project that they at least would have a presence somewhere. But uh, they were mostly absent, to be honest. So Amazon really got the uh, the spotlight at the point. Mm. Interesting. Uh, anyway, after that, it was kind of ending up. We still had uh, yeah, Cisco came up to talk about something. Uh, the guy was very nervous. He was a engineer, vice president of engineering, or something like that. He talked about security. Yeah, I mean, there was something there. They, they talked. <laughs> That's all I can say, basically. <laughs> and then there was a talk about the, the TOC SIG, who was talking about, okay, the new projects coming on, that there were so many new projects coming up. 
And the final thing I noted here is that they showed a graph about uh, all the new projects that tried to join the CNCF applications. Mm. At the moment, I mean, it didn't have a number on it, but if I looked at the graph they had, it looked like 50% got rejected. And rejection could be for two reasons. One, yeah. doesn't really fit the scope of NCS uh, uh, Cloud Native. Or two, need more uh, need more documentation. Now, if they added the need more documentation just to kind of soften the blow a little bit, I don't know. <laughs> because I'm, I'll assume if you want to join something like CNCF, you'll kind of make your business case and send that up the pipe as a complete package. Mm -hmm. You're not going to just call somebody and say, hey, I've made a thing, I want to join. Mm -hmm. I would assume. I mean, if that happens, it should be a minority. So most of them kind of get rejected due to not fitting in. Um, now, I did not see anything connected to blockchain or uh, NTFs or something like that in there. So oh, I guess they're doing a good job. Yes, I had to get so it in there. Sorry. So, you're, you're, <laughs> so clearly you're going to start lobbying that uh, there needs to be more blockchain. Oh, yes. Bitcoin miners for the Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's also, of course, what you get if you become popular and CNCF is becoming a bit of a brand of accomplishment at this point, a sign mm -hmm. of uh, we're, we're doing it right. Yep. So I can imagine that in, yeah, the more this grows, the more well, anybody will try to jump on the bandwagon, basically. And they do seem to be doing a decent job at uh, yeah, milling that down. But even then, as I started the, the, the podcast with, it was so much, so much different things, so much small things all coming mm -hmm. together. And yeah, for me personally, as a, I'm not going to say user, but at least somebody who's interested more in the technical the technical part of the, the whole thing, having some kind of, of a, how, is, how do you say this, a more opinionated guidance from the CNCF KubeCon. Mm. Why you shouldn't just say, okay, you're not on the, on the golden path, so we don't want you. No, still leave, but give me that golden path that I can at least have some idea to go from A to Z and decide where I take a, a little deviation if I want to. Yeah, That is something that I personally kind of missed there. And I think they could help people. Because I, I talked to a lot of people who were, there was that first time there and the whole Kubernetes thing. Yes, uh, I mean, you have that uh, meme out there. Uh, uh, I don't know what Kubernetes is now, I'm afraid to ask. I mean, there were a lot of people in that mindset, let's say. So having them, giving them a bit more of a guided path, I think would really go a long way to make the event even more useful uh, for these people. And again, as I started, I'm going to uh, end with the same note. I, I don't want to be negative. I do think it's a good event. It's, on a, it's, on a, mm. it's the best event I've been to in a long time. It was very far away from all of the very marketing, corporate heavy things that I've been forced to attend. So from that point, I hope they stay around for a long time and they can keep up the good work, let's say. Um, but the sheer size of it is starting to make it hard to consume. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Well, hopefully people have found this useful, interesting, our musings on uh, Jon's attendance of KubeCon. And uh, with that, we're running a little long. And I think, unless there's anything else from you, Jan? No, nope, take it away. And that is all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast by becoming a patron. Every contribution really does help. You can uh, you can check us out on YouTube. You can see me muting my microphone to cough. Um, you can like and subscribe and hit the notification bell and even comment all the times you saw me cough and do all the YouTube things. You can also go to roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about this podcast. You can 
maybe follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag since uh, our Lord and Master Elon has uh, made some changes there with in terms of API access and how tweets get shared and all that sort of thing. Uh, we may well uh, be opting out of the Twitterverse at this point, but uh, Elon's going to have one far, one last valiant attempt to see if he can uh, get through the, uh, the the misery and suffering that is uh, posting to Twitter. But if not, this may be the last time you hear us talking about Twitter. And uh, you can also email us, obviously, podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is Cube Dave. And my name is uh, giving a huge shout out to all the people I met over the last couple of days at KubeCon. Tom? Oh, see, I thought you could have been Cubion. See? See what I did there? Cubion. Oh, dear. Anyway, we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then. And maybe your voices will have recovered by then. I certainly hope so. I've been battling this for just over a week, so I think I'm in the final throes. Anyway. Anyway.